Hey guys, happy Monday, and thank you for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast, where we are in a brand new book of the Bible, which is Judges. And I love Judges. Judges is my personal favorite book of the Old Testament. And you might be like, why in the world is Judges your favorite book? Because Judges struck me. Years ago, I became interested in listening to scripture because I was at the factory. I was super bored all day, like I was bored out of my mind, but they let us listen to stuff. And so I would download a whole bunch of audiobooks. And when I got sick of audiobooks, I'm like, you know what? I am going to download a dramatized version of the Bible. And so I found one and uh, it was in the NKJV version. So I listened to it and I listened to the entire Bible in one month. And what really stood out to me when I listened to the Bible from front to back was judges because of God's mercy. And it, it changed my entire viewpoint on God, actually, when I read Judges. I actually believed God was really mean because that was what's common to believe about God is that he's mean and that he just strikes people dead all the time. But when I read through the book of Judges, my entire viewpoint on God completely changed. And Judges, I think, is one of the best books in the Old Testament to really understand God's love for humanity. Now, of course, Judges itself is filled with all sorts of crazy and gory stories. Like, it's just so much corruption on the part of the people. But that is also what makes this book show God's love so much, is because the people are so corrupt and so disgusting at times, and yet God is so loving and so caring all the time. So that is why I love the book of Judges. So we're going to read Judges chapter 1 today, verses 1 through 21. And I'm going to be reading out of the W.E.B. as per usual, but please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you like to read out of. Also grab your cup of coffee this morning or your favorite cup of tea, and let's go ahead and read Judges 1, 1 through 21. After the death of Joshua, the children of Israel asked of Yahweh, saying, Who should go up for us first against the Canaanites to fight against them? Yahweh said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. Judah said to Simeon his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with you into your lot. So Simeon went with him. Judah went up, and Yahweh delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. They struck 10,000 men in Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him. They struck the Canaanites and the Perizzites, but Adonai Bezek fled. They pursued him, caught him, and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings, having their thumbs and their big toes cut off, scavenged under my table. As I have done, so God has done to me. They brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The children of Judah fought against Jerusalem, took it, struck it with the edge of the sword, and set the city on fire. After that, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in the hill country, and in the south, and in the lowland. Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. The name of Hebron before that was Kiriath Arba. They struck Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there he went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name Debir before that was Kiriath Sefer. Caleb said, I will give Aksa my daughter as wife to the man who strikes Kiriath Sefer and takes it. Othniel the son of Canez, Caleb's younger brother, took it, so he gave him Aksa his daughter as his wife. 
When she came, she got him to ask her father for a field. She got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What would you like? She said to him, Give me a blessing, because you have set me in the land of the south. Give me also springs of water. Then Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. The children of the Canite, Moses' brother-in-law, went up out of the city of the palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which is in the south of Arad. And they went and lived with the people. Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they struck the Canaanites who inhabited Zapheth and utterly destroyed it. The name of the city was called Hormah. Also, Judah took Geza with its border and Ashkelon with its border and Ekron with its border. Yahweh was with Judah and drove out all the inhabitants of the hill country. For he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. They gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had said, and he drove the three sons of Anak out of there. The children of Benjamin didn't drive out the Jebusites, who inhabited Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. So first thing you're going to notice about this portion that we just read is that it kind of jumps back and forth between timelines. First, it's talking about what happens after Joshua dies. Then it kind of jumps to before Joshua died and the whole thing with like Caleb again. Then once again, it jumps to after Joshua dies. So that's something you're going to notice in this portion of scripture. And by the way, speaking of the writing of Judges, no one actually really knows who wrote the book of Judges. A lot of people say that it was Samuel, though no one is really sure who wrote Judges. So Judges actually could have been written by multiple people, potentially, but most people credit Samuel as writing Judges, just to throw that out there. But anyway, starting in verse one, it says, after the death of Joshua, the children of Israel asked of Yahweh saying, who should go up and fight the Canaanites first? So even though Joshua had already allotted the land to the Israelite people, Every single one of the tribes had not taken their full allotment of land yet. There were still a lot of Canaanites and Amorites and Jebusites and whoever else that lived in the land and Israel was going to go take it because God had told Israel that the land does in fact belong to them and that God would help Israel basically drive out all the people that already lived there. So after Joshua dies, the people ask Yahweh, who's going to go first and take more of the promised land. And so God answers the people and he says, Judah shall go up first. So notice that the Israelites are still believing in God. Even though Joshua was dead at this point, Israel still had enough conviction to ask God for military advice. And at this point in time, God was supposed to be the leader of Israel, like completely. Israel didn't have a king. God was their king. And so the Israelites, of course, ask their king, hey, who's going to go defeat the Canaanites first? And so God says, Judah, the largest tribe of them all will go first. So Judah says to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites and I will go with you into your lot. So Simeon went with him. Now, I don't know why Judah asked Simeon to go along with him. I don't know if this was right for them to do or not. I think a lot of people will say, no, it was totally fine for Judah to ask Simeon to go with them. But that's not what God said. <laughs> like God basically just said Judah. And Judah was like, oh, we need extra help. You know, maybe we should ask Simeon to come with us. 
I don't know if this was right for them to do or not, but I do wonder if this shows that Judah didn't fully trust God, kind of, that they could go take the land themselves without asking Simeon to come with them. I don't know, though. It doesn't say anything about that. So anyway, Simeon goes. Simeon's like, okay, cool, Judah, I'll go with you. And so the two tribes take all these areas together. It says that they struck 10,000 men in this area called Basic, which means thunder. And they found this guy who was the king of Basic named Adonai Basic. And if you guys know what the word Adonai means, it's actually often a name for God, for Yahweh, which means our Lord. So this means that Adonai Basic, his name meant Lord of Thunder. <laughs> so he had like a really intimidating name and he was the king of Basic. And so it says that Simeon and Judah, the two tribes, find Adonai Basic. He ran away from his city. The two tribes of Judah and Simeon find Adonai Basic. And it says that they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. So Adonai Basic was likely a very powerful warrior. I mean, just look at his name, <laughs> Lord of Thunder. But he was likely a warrior because it does say that his city, Basic, was quite notorious, right? I mean, there was a, a lot of men fighting in that city. So one of the ways people would make sure that warriors no longer could be warriors was to cut off their thumbs. Apparently, this was common throughout the ages that parents would even cut off the thumbs of their children to make sure that their children did not become warriors and stuff like that. So cutting off the thumbs, it makes you pretty useless. You can't really hold a sword or a spear or anything else. And so it makes you not a good warrior. It makes you useless, basically. And so that's what Judah and Simeon did to Adonai Basic. They cut off his thumbs and his big toes so that he would no longer be any trouble to them. Now, what's really interesting about this is that Adonai Basic realizes that this was a just thing for Judah and Simeon to do to him. <laughs> Here's what he says in verse seven. He says, 70 kings having their thumbs and their big toes cut off, scavenged under my table. As I have done, so Elohim has done to me. So this means that Adonai Bezik, his preferred form of torture to other kings, 70 of them to be precise, was to cut off their thumbs and their big toes so that they would be completely and totally useless and no longer be able to be kings anymore. So Adonai Basic basically realizes that because he did this exact same thing to 70 kings, it was almost like fitting for it to be done to him. It's like he realizes that it was a punishment that he deserved. And so he says, as I have done, so Elohim has done to me, which proves that he he believed in God to some extent. Because Elohim was actually the Hebrew word for God, besides Yahweh, of course. Elohim was what the Israelites would call God. I actually watched The Prince of Egypt recently. <laughs> and I noticed in the very beginning song that the, the people actually used the name Elohim 
in the song, which that was really interesting to me. I was like, oh, they actually used the name Elohim in that song, which is which is kind of cool. But I don't know if if this Adonai Basic believed in God before Simeon and Judah uh, basically destroy his fingers and toes. I don't know, or if he started believing in God after that. So they brought Adonai Basic to Jerusalem and he died there. And I don't know if they killed him there or if he died naturally. I don't know. It doesn't say specifically, but it does say that the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem, took it and struck it. And they set the city on fire. So finally, Jerusalem is taken. Now, what is really interesting about this is that Jerusalem was not in either the tribes of Simeon or Judah. It was actually in the tribe of Benjamin. But Judah went and like took Jerusalem for Benjamin is kind of what it looks like. But of course, we know of Jerusalem as being basically one of the most famous cities ever, (laughs) specifically when it comes to uh, the Israelite nation. So it says, after all this, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in the hill country and in the south and in the lowland. So after that, Judah and Simeon move on to another area and it talks about Caleb now. So it like goes back in time to discuss Caleb. It says, Caleb said, I will give Aksa my daughter as wife to the man who strikes Kiriath safer and takes it. Or maybe it's not going back in time. Maybe Joshua had already died by this point. Hmm, I don't know. It doesn't give us a a clear timeline whether Caleb did this before or after Joshua's death, but that would make Caleb really, really old, wouldn't it? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know this one. I'm sorry, guys. Whether or not this was done before or after Joshua's death, unsure about this. If you guys have an answer to this question, I would love to hear it. But anyway, Caleb says, I will give Aksa, my daughter, as wife to the man who strikes Kiriath Safer and takes it. Now, of course, this was a story that we have already talked about a few weeks ago back in the book of Joshua. We we discussed this very story. And so Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it. So he gave Aksa his daughter as wife. Now, if you're interested in hearing about the first cousin marriage where I talked about this. I'll find that episode and link it in the description of this podcast episode because I don't want to go back into the first cousin marriage thing going on here. So anyway, Aksa marries Othniel. And Othniel was a good guy. We know he was a good guy because we're going to hear more about him in a little while in the book of Judges. And so Caleb did choose at least a good guy for his daughter to marry, basically. So Aksa marries Othniel. And so she tried to get Othniel, her husband, to go ask Caleb for some more land. So Othniel, for whatever reason, (laughs) does not go ask Caleb for land. And I think it's because Othniel, this is my own personal opinion, thought that it might be better for his wife, Caleb's daughter, to go ask for the land instead. So Aksa, Caleb's daughter, gets off of her donkey to show respect to her her dad. She gets off the donkey and she says to Caleb, please give me a blessing. And so Caleb's like, what do you want? And she says, you know, we don't have enough water. You gave us a beautiful blessing. You gave us some land, but please give us some springs of water as well. And so Caleb gives them to her abundantly. Now, I think it's kind of interesting that this story is repeated twice, once in the book of Joshua and now here in the book of Judges which shows that 
there's some significance to it more so than just a random story about a daughter asking her dad for something. Aksa had a good relationship with her father. And it kind of mirrors how we should have a relationship with our father, Yahweh. We shouldn't be afraid to ask Yahweh about stuff. But just like Aksa showed respect to her father and thought about it beforehand and wasn't like, you know, you owe me more. We should have that same amount of respect for our father, still not being afraid to ask him for things, especially if we need something, but having this respectful relationship with God the Father, knowing that when we go to him and ask him for something, that he's not going to like reject us or turn us away, just like Caleb here didn't turn away his daughter. And Aksa and, and Othniel clearly needed these springs of water because water was really, really important back in these days. So Caleb gives the springs of water to his daughter. And so just just like this story here where Oxa, the daughter, is not afraid to ask her father for something, you and I shouldn't be afraid to ask our father for something either. As long as we do it with the amount of respect that Oxa gave to her father, Caleb. So anyway, Caleb gives it to her. And then it kind of abruptly changes the subject after this. And it talks about how Judah and Simeon, the two tribes, went and like struck all these other places. They struck this place called Hormah. And then they also took Ekron, Eshkelon, and Gaza. And then it says in verse 19, Yahweh was with Judah and they drove out the inhabitants of the hill country. For he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. So why couldn't they drive out the inhabitants of the valley, even though Yahweh was with them. Remember how I said at the beginning that maybe Judah didn't have full trust in God's provision for them? And maybe that's why this entire story with Caleb and Aksa, his daughter, is like stuck in the middle, like showing what a father-daughter relationship truly looks like and how good that relationship can be. And then showing how the children of Israel didn't have that kind of relationship with Yahweh. They didn't trust him completely to really be able to drive out all the inhabitants, even the ones with chariots of iron. I mean, chariots of iron is nothing for God. No weapon of destruction is too powerful for God. So why couldn't Judah take this valley? I think it's because Judah just didn't have enough faith to know that God was on their side. It took a lot of faith, just like how, as we see in the New Testament, when Jesus heals people, he often says, your faith has healed you. And then there's stories in the New Testament where people couldn't get healed because their faith wasn't good enough, basically, where it says like Jesus went to his own hometown, but the faith of the people was so bad that all Jesus could do was lay his hands on a handful of them to heal them. And Jesus was like appalled by their lack of faith. So even though Jesus had the capacity to be able to heal anybody who had enough faith for that healing, a lot of times people didn't have enough faith to accept the healing. And it's kind of like the same thing here. The, the people of Judah, even though God was able to give them complete and total victory over their enemies, Judah didn't have enough faith to accept that victory. Perhaps they saw these chariots of iron and were like, we don't have anything like that. 
I don't think we can take these people. We got to wait until we get chariots of iron. But in actuality, God can do absolutely anything. And he can give very, very freely. And then it ends here by saying that Benjamin didn't drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. The Jebusites still dwell with the children of Benjamin to this day. That's how it ends. So even though Judah went up and took Jerusalem and did the the like legwork for Benjamin to go in and like fully take it, Benjamin didn't fully take it. They didn't have enough faith that they could fully take it. So this just shows that even though God can do things for us and he often does do things for us, we also need to have faith that he can do those things for us. Alrighty, faithful listeners, well, I hope you enjoyed the very first episode of Judges. This is going to be a great book. I can just tell already. I'm already enjoying it so, so much. Not that other books aren't good. They're all good, but (laughs) you know what I mean. I just really like the book of Judges. It's just a very interesting book to me. But guys, I hope to see you all tomorrow. We're going to be discussing the book of Acts. So tune in then. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Monday. Don't forget to contact me if you have any questions or prayer requests. I love hearing from you guys. You'll find my business email in the description of this podcast episode. Faithful listeners, happy listening and God bless.